Hello, welcome back to Anime on the Sea to Sky. I understand this might be me going three for three with saying, oh yeah, no, I'll definitely get back to my schedule. I'm definitely getting back to doing a bi-weekly thing to try and get about two episodes out a month and try and line that up. And I would, if not for the same weekend that I was planning to get this episode out, I ended up taking the big L against the big C. That's right, Rona ended up catching me and I ended up getting myself a catch of COVID-19 and there was not really much that I could imagine that would have given it to me, but it just kind of came out of nowhere, and that's all essentially I had to do. Thankfully, considering I was vaccinated, there wasn't really too much of an issue since I only had, like, a bad fever for one of the nights, and about three days or so when my congestion was so bad that I couldn't necessarily taste anything. So, knowing that there are a couple of strains of COVID that are able to completely and utterly nullify your taste buds, and friends of families have still had gotten COVID months in before and still haven't been able to taste anything since, so that did put me at a bit of a pause and was a slight bit of concern because you're just kind of thinking, oh my god, am I ever going to taste anything ever again? So... At this point in time, that's the only major thing that I could definitely go through, considering that vaccinations are definitely something that should be imperative as something to go for, especially boosters if you can get them. But considering now, I'm probably not going to be able to get a booster for the next three months, considering I've already got COVID, and that'll kind of just make things easier for me lining up for now that I'm actually feeling a lot better, since it's been mm, 10 days and all the symptoms are gone, but considering that I was still testing positive about two days ago, I'm definitely still going to keep it on the down low, and hopefully be able to come back in full force and get myself back on a regular routine and a regular work and sleep and, well, podcast schedule. But I guess if there's anything else that I would need to point out towards there, there is a handful of uh, news pieces that have definitely come out over the past couple of weeks, considering that Science Saru has lined up their next original TV uh, anime that ended up coming out a couple of weeks ago. And that's going to be in the form of Yurei Deco, which is going to be coming out at some point over the course of summer this year. So I'm really curious to see how that's going to pop up, considering that we already got a fantastic original series by Yamada Naoko in Heike Monogatari, and now we're going to be jumping into the driver's seat with Tomohisa Shimoyama, who's going to be directing this one coming out, uh, you know, later in the summer and later in this year. So really curious to see how that's going to go. Even though I haven't necessarily touched any of the toys or the show or the music or basically anything related to the franchise in well over a decade, it, it, I'm really kind of curious to see how this is going to turn out since the Beyblade franchise is going to be getting a live-action movie produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. So... We got nothing. He, I mean, he was the dude that was the producer behind Pirates of the Caribbean and National Treasure and Top Gun. But to be fair, it doesn't necessarily matter because producer, like, I don't know, adding the producer where it's like from the producer of Avatar or the producer of The Fast and the Furious. It's like, dude, the producer doesn't mean jack shit whenever it comes to like anything like revolving around, which is weird considering it's like, oh yeah, the producer has nothing to do with the production. It's like, yeah, kind of, sort of, but it's just that it you never really look at them as a barometer for quality. It's always related to the cast and the crew and the director and the sound and whoever, and for me, mostly, writes the script. And so Gavin James, who has only done a handful of uh, pieces and works, is going to be ending up writing the script. But honestly, I really can't see this turning out good at all. But I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see how that live action pops up. But for an animated film that I'm actually curious to see how that's going to pop up by the end of the year, we're finally got a date for the Eurocamp film, which is going to open July 1st inside of Japan. And so judging by that case, considering it's going to be the seventh month of the year, that definitely means that we're probably going to be getting the late uh, Eurocamp movie popping over on the West Coast. Uh, maybe November or December. I'm definitely going to expect that it's going to come out by the end of the year, but... Honestly, we're just going to have to wait and see. It's going to be an incredibly comfy piece to add to the repertoire inside of the franchise, and I honestly can't wait for that to pop up whenever it does. And then finally, we end up getting the new schedule for the 2022 rendition of Ghibli Fest, which is being held by G-Kids and being thrown all the way across North America as well as a handful of other theaters across the world. And so this is an event that takes place between April and November, and in this case we end up having seven films that are going to be coming out of Ghibli that they're actually going to be getting a theatrical release as they do every year. So in this case we're going to be getting Princess Mononoke, Ponyo, The Cat Returns, Kiki's Delivery Service, Only Yesterday, Howl's Moving Castle, and Spirited Away. 
Now, considering that I've seen all of these films, if there was one that I would personally want to see inside of theaters that I'd actually be curious about going to, it'd probably be The Cat Returns, considering that every one of the other ones that I've gone through here, I've either seen in theaters or have, you know, gone through more than enough times that I don't necessarily need to go through unless there's a buddy of mine that kind of wants to go see it and have their first experience with the film. So I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to turn out, because... Let's see, between all of these, the ones that I ended up, I've already seen through uh, the Ghibli Fest, I've seen Howl's Moving Castle, and I've seen Spirited Away, and I've seen Princess Mononoke all in theaters, thanks to this event. So those are going to be popping up between April and November. Princess Mononoke is going to be starting within April, and we are going to finish in early November with Spirited Away and everything else in between. So I'm hoping if you have the opportunity for any of these films that you haven't been able to watch yet, all of them are honestly like up there in terms of quality. If I had to pick a favorite out of these, it would probably be Princess Mononoke. But, you know, everything that Ghibli has put out throughout their repertoire, I uh, probably, well, under the Ghibli umbrella, call it like 95% of their work is honestly fantastic and everything else is just kind of like mid or worse. But with that kind of a record, you should definitely go and have the opportunity to catch any of these films at your leisure. So now, in terms of the video game side of things, over the last several weeks, there have been a handful of huge titles that have actually been going through and be, have been gaining traction for ones that have actually been... ones the fans have been looking forward to and ones that have kind of just been still here for the rest of it, considering that, I mean, Pokemon Legends Arceus ended up coming through, and that did a lot of good numbers, and that had a really good sale throughout the rest of it. I know I've heard like middling things about it especially from the unity engine and how simplified it is but you know what if people are just enjoying it for something that we actually get that's different from the pokemon rendition i'm actually glad people are having fun with that uh horizon forbidden west has gone through and it's still eh, finding a small amount of success but considering that it ended up coming out around the same time as elden ring now that's the one that I'm legitimately surprised, considering that it's not getting as many copies as I would think, but it's getting nothing but 10 out of 10s across the board from everybody who's just decided to go through From Software. Even though I haven't played any of their games, I've heard even though it's one of the hardest experiences that you're ever going to play, it is definitely one of the most satisfying ones when you're ever bringing yourself back in and looking for a game that, even though takes a bit of getting used to, is one of the most challenging experiences that you can go through, and that can definitely come from any of From Software's work, from Sekiro, from the Demon Souls, Dark Souls series, Bloodborne series, basically anything, and Elden Ring has not only lived up to expectations, but have exceeded them from everything else that I've heard based on not only the world building and the mechanics, but the boss fights and the difficulty that essentially asks you to get good from the beginning. And so I'm really glad to see that at least one of these series that had so much hype built up to it, even though we've had a lot of duds over the past couple of years, has been able to live up to those expectations and then some. So I'm really glad to see that that ended up coming to the case. For me, I'm really curious to see how... Uh, let's see, because what have I got? I'm going to be getting triangle strategy when it comes out. I'm going to give Advance Wars 1 and 2 when it comes out, because that's going to be a good blast from the past for me. And then another game that ended up uh, coming through the latest Nintendo Direct that I'm really curious to see how that's going to turn out is going to be the new Mario Soccer game in, in Mario Strikers Battle League. So I'm really curious to see how that's going to go since that's going to be coming out at some point this summer and I am incredibly excited to see how that goes and, you know, where it's going to take us. So now, finally, just yesterday, I was able to just close close the book shut the game off and kind of just make peace with it that I've done as much grinding as I wanted to and completed as much of the like extra game content that was allowed and kind of just getting some sort of completionist uh, itch scratched when I wanted to and now finally I've made peace and I'm probably going to be putting away the game that we're going to be talking about today in the form of The World Ends With You Neo and that I feel like I have made my peace with it and I've done all that I need to, which in this case is complete 75% of the collectibles inside of the game, because I'm not really much of a completionist, this is probably going to be adding to the echelon of the handful of JRPGs that I've played throughout my life. I mean, if you don't necessarily count Pokemon, then that kind of like really stretches the list out, but it's... The JRPG formula is definitely something that I haven't necessarily like jumped into as often or gone through, especially probably due to the length being one of it, but then also just kind of being, I don't know, a little concerned about where the storytelling goes and the basically the 
sunk cost fallacy, like trying to complete the game after sinking over a dozen hours into it. Very rarely do I ever like bring myself to try and get into a game that's going to take that long in hindsight and still get myself invested and curious about the characters. And I'll definitely start with my relationship with the series, considering that at some point I will definitely get to the story and characters of this game. But, I mean, very basically, this entire review is going to be something leading in with the original The World Ends With You, as well as the new story of the new game. So I would say my base recommendation is that you definitely pick up uh, the world ends with you as the original game, which is in, which is definitely difficult considering that like the DS, it, between all three different gameplay styles that I played between these technically three games, one which is the original, the second which is the remake, and the third which is the sequel, I definitely remember enjoying the original gameplay of the original game a lot more by comparison to the rest of it with how the stylus was able to be integrated into the original on the DS. And it just had the most dynamic and the most like interesting and intricate gameplay out of the rest of it and i would still even though the remix gameplay is different i would still give it a recommendation if not for the just the story alone it's really weird considering reading through articles and interviews for the rest of it they ended up naming this new game neo because they didn't want to name it the world ends with you 2 because they kind of felt like they could get new people into the game for those who hadn't necessarily completed the original which is really 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 weird in my sense considering that, yes, this is a, a direct sequel, and even though this is, jeez, 14 years after the original game came out in 2007, like, it's, it has been so long since that kind of goes through. And at the end of the day, I enjoyed my experience with the second game, but it took me a really long time to actually care or give a shit about what was happening inside the story of the world and with the characters that we have been introduced to. So, at the very end... I would definitely recommend giving the original game a try, and if you really, really wanted to scratch that itch and go through and enjoy a new story with new characters, but can also get callbacks to the original, then I, that's the only reason why I would recommend going to see Neo, because with the amount of time that I spent on it, it was a surprising amount that didn't necessarily get me invested like the original game did, and I can't recommend it to anybody who didn't really loved the original game and really wanted to find out like anything more that exists within the world of the characters that it was introduced. So from here upon, this is just going to be a completely spoiler-filled review. So take of that what you will. So I guess it was really interesting going back to 2018 where the original, uh, not the original, the remake ended up uh, making a resurgence considering that I really enjoyed and loved the game back in 2007 when the original was released, and I had a lot of fun with it. But it was an open, uh, cut-and-dry story, open and closed, where you were able to get a really good sense on Neku's growth as a character, and how he learns to bring people back into his life, and to trust people, trusting your partner, which is one of the major themes of the story, as well as letting people in and telling you what you really think instead of just bottling it up and making you making yourself either just cynical or miserable as a result. And I really like to see Neku's growth over the three weeks that takes place in the original game. And also the mechanics of the game were fun. All of the new abilities that you were able to go through with the limited amount of actions that you were able to draw on the stylish was still something that was incredibly fun. And to be fair, I think I should keep going considering that I covered the majority of my thoughts on the original The World Ends With You like back in the... Uh, one, one of my first handful of episodes, like way back in the catalog, so I would definitely recommend giving that a listen to as well if you were really curious to see what my thoughts on the original and the Remix game were. But I ended up picking up Remix, which was a, which for an eight, I think it was $80 when I picked it up. It was either 80 or 60 because Canada, haha, inflation uh, rates going through because our dollar's been a little weak uh, on the weaker side over the past decade or so. But Remix at the very least, was fine. In It's just that because they integrated the touchscreen and you didn't have a stylus, it was just a much more awkward experience compared to the original to actually go through. The story still held up, which is what I was kind of, like, shocked to see. But just the gameplay, like, really made it awkward whenever you were trying to just scroll or do anything with your hands. And not having a stylus, I, I can't remember if... 
the Switch actually sells the stylus or if it's just like additional controller mods, but like, I don't know, like not having a stylus playing the final remix on the Switch version was just really, really, really awkward by comparison. But what really caught me interested like through the rest of it, because this was a multimedia project since the full development of the game uh, uh, of Neo didn't start coming into play until after the final remix was put out on the Switch. And so mid-2018 was when it finally ended up going through, and not only did they have the final remix completed, but they were working in tandem with not only getting Neo out the door, but also getting the anime adaptation of the original game like out through into, uh, into television sets and out uh, into the world and through the internet. The World Ends With You Neo was the first time, or not Neo, the original game, the World Ends With You animation, like, I, I'm really trying to find, because I can't just spew the acronym, like, TUI. I can't just say TUI animation or TUI Neo, like, it just so, it sounds so incredibly awkward. But, um, the animation, I, it was going to be the first game where a video game that I had played ended up getting an anime adaptation. And, of course, you can say, oh, yeah, well, what about Pokemon? It's like, I haven't watched Pokemon in years, and that's definitely something that hasn't necessarily been given me the opportunity to at least have that comparison and have that experience from both perspectives. But... Just, yeah, I knew from the beginning I wasn't going to be expecting much from the animation because it was literally just going to, like, you can't fit three weeks of content into just 12 or 13 episodes. I can't, I can't even remember which. I've already flushed it from my mind. But it was just the only major changes that they did is that they made Shiki and Neku's departure or separation, uh, like, give it a little more of a dramatic flair. And they kind of changed the, like the ending boss and for the rest of it, but everything else, like the major plot points and story beats were still there. And it was fine. I don't know. It, you could definitely, I was really curious to see how the animation was going to go through. And they basically just took 3D models in the same way that they ended up doing the animation, which I'm really curious to see because this, this game was developed by Square Enix and Hands, who was helping their helping them with their mobile division when it, they ended up making like a the world does with your mobile game back in 2012 but basically i would assume that they had some help because the the 3d animated fights inside of the anime were very close in similar frame rates to the game's cutscenes. so and no matter how hard i looked or where i tried i could not find a source that like told me who was the specific animation studio that they ended up asking to do all of the uh animations for so I'm just going to assume that it was Shine who ended up doing the uh, animations for the animated television series, but I digress. So this multimedia project, working in tandem, both the game and the anime coming out where, what was it, the anime came out, right, the anime came out back in the spring season of last year in 2021, and less than two months later, the world ends with you, Neo followed suit. So this was definitely like a, a decently timed area that within that span of time, they would not only be able to get everybody invested or at least get a little bit of marketing going with the animated series, even though their marketing was really a little bit off point considering that Square really didn't give Neo the same kind of, uh, you know, reputation or like mass marketing that it was able to do for its other projects. Because it was like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll make an anime. And then that'll be it. The anime will sell the next setup for uh, like for the video game, and that's all we have to do. It's like, nah, that's not really how it works. But the major thing that I was curious about is that the final remix went through, I played it, and they ended up adding an extra day. Now, I, I can't remember if it was an extra day or if it was like a sandbox sort of deal where after you complete the original game on the DS, you could go, you could definitely go back and like do extra stuff. But once you ended up doing nearly 100% of all the stuff that happened in the game and the collectibles, you were able to fight a secret boss that was Mr. Hanakoma at the end in replacement uh, for one of his special pieces of noise. So in this case, the final remix Switch Edition ended up getting an extra day where out of nowhere, like, within a month of the original game ending, Beat and Neku are dragged back into an extra day for uh, Shibuya, and Neku keeps getting these visions of Shinjuku and all the surrounding areas getting inverted and destroyed, and he sees, you know, images of this girl that's walking towards him, and also has Mr. Mew, who is the same stuffed animal that Shiki was carrying, like, back in the first week when he was uh, playing with her. And so... What really got me, like, what the fuck is going on, is that at the end of this 
extra day in the final remix version. So Neku and Beat end up going through, or Neku, Deku, no, I, I keep forgetting, like, or I keep mixing up. Deku is from My Hero Academia, and Neku is the uh, version from Worlds With You. So at the end of this extra day, of the final remix version, uh, Neku and Beat end up escaping, and Neku gets shot again. <laughs> Like, a week after the first game ends, he's finally able to, like, reunite and see Beat and Rhyme, and he gets to meet Shiki face-to-face in her own body. And less than a month goes by, and it's like, nah, y'all aren't allowed to be happy again. We're gonna drag Neku back into this, like, pseudo-Reapers game, and Coco's literally just gonna shoot him in the back. Several times. And, like, Joshua tries to make it, and it's like, ah, fuck, Neku ends up, uh, like, Neku died. And so Joshua just puts Neku away somewhere, and so it's like, oh fuck, Beat, like, Beat just watched Neku get shot, and now, like, Shiki's just gonna be like, oh my god, wait, what do you mean he's not here? It's like, yo, he got, yo, Shiki, I got some bad news, he got shot again, and it's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why can't you let these two be happy? Because now, it's like, at the end of that extra day, that is what I'm most curious about. It's like, why does Co- why where does Coco fit into this? Neku's being like thrown away in a closet to be like, okay, well, at some point in time, we're gonna bring him back when we need him most because Joshua, being the composer of Shibuya, is not gonna let his like best friend get shot again and just like move on. And so that finally brings us up to the world ends with you, Neo. At the very least. Like, my initial impression and my, like, final bit of the game, it's fine. I didn't, for half of the game, literally up until, I believe it was day two, or week two, day three, was just, like, like that was that stretch. So basically, nine days worth of content, I was struggling to care about this game. It was incredibly difficult for me to get invested in the new characters that we're going through very like it's hilarious because oh yeah no we want to we want to call this game neo because we'll be able to bring in new people and they'll get invested and they're really curious to see how this game goes like right off the bat it's just like okay so you have three new characters in the form of god fret rindo nagi oh my god it it, like the like the only reason why i remember like their names at all in this game is because every time I would go back into the menu and consistently give them new threads and new abilities and new pins, like, I would see their name, like, up, like, if they didn't have their names, like, up next to it, then I would have completely forgotten their names altogether. And I almost forgot Nagi, because, like, Nagi is just one of the most forgettable characters inside this game, like, period. But at least you get, hey, Minamoto, um, they showed at the end of Remix that... Coco not only shoots Neku dead, but also brings Minamoto back through this power called Dissonance, and through one of the taboo sigils that uh, Minamoto was able to leave behind. And it's like, okay, so we're going to have Neku and Minamoto at some point in time in this new game. So, all right, curious, uh, wherever that's going to go. The first week was a fucking struggle to get through because they were introducing all these new characters like Rindo apparently his major character beat is that he's indecisive and he doesn't want to take responsibility for whatever minor choices he's making in his life so now when you get thrown into a death game I guess that accelerates growth and then we've got Rindo who's just kind of like the big where he's like the big he's the best friend guy like there's not really much or it's like, oh man, it's it's perfectly all right, and I like I've got this like load of confidence, and he just does not come off as genuine at all, and that's also like his major opinion. It's like you got to be more genuine, you got to really more open it up. You don't want to just tell people things that they want to hear. It's like, okay, great, well, so he's just going to be a never-ending chatterbox, and Nagi, uh, she's an otaku that where it's just like, oh yeah, no, one of my bad things is communication, like, up to people, and if they don't like the things that I like, then there's not really much that I can go through and jumpstart the conversation the connection, but she is just talking in this pseudo-chuny, like, in, like, incredibly, you know, Japanese, like, sort of deal. I will admit, I ended up, like, using the Japanese audio for this game, because even though I don't, even though I did the, there's not really much voice work, to be done in the original game, but there's a lot more in the second one, um, in inside of Neo, considering they not only had an English uh, audio adaptation, but they had a Japanese as well. And the only reason I went with the Japanese is because even though it's been 
14 years since I played this uh, original game, because we're in Shibuya, I kind of felt like this would be a good time, like a good place to be like, okay, you know what? They're in Shibuya. This is their cult, like this is their memes. This is their culture. The these are their props and and their city. And it just kind of didn't feel like it would like it would just feel a lot more natural for me to like listen to this in Japanese than it would be in English. And so Nagi just has this, yeah, this chuny cadence to her where it's where it was like, oh no, 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 no! I have to listen to this girl like spout like I I could only imagine how she would sound in English. Okay, yeah, no, never mind. I just listened to her in English, and it was just like, no, this is not, this is not it. I get it. You're a game otaku, but it's like, oh yeah, no, she's really good at. That's her thing. Her power, as well as her like internal strength, is reading between the lines and like being able to pick out the nuance in between conversation. It's too bad it's not a two-way street because she literally talks like, "Who with where art thou? Oh, Lord Rindo, I will follow you to the ends of the earth." And this, this barbarianism and this shruggery is going to be taking to the death of us but i need to get and like what's her main reason for getting out of the game it's like oh you yeah, know i need to get out of the game because this new chapter of a video game that i've been coming out for elistra is going to be releasing and i gotta i gotta live i gotta see this new chapter please i need to go i need to survive this death game so i can go out and finish the video game that's going to be coming out in a couple of days and it's like which is which is one of the major like changes in between the original game and this game is that the original game everybody's dead everybody's died and they're trying they're g being given a second chance if you complete the game you have the opportunity to have a second chance at life now with like a greater understanding and perspective and like personal growth as a person but in the like considering that this is based on the null and void shinjuku reaper rules they can literally let people in who are still alive they can let people who are, like, people who have the pins can just walk right into the Reaper's Death game, and then it's like, okay, well, great, so now I have to make this out alive. It's like, okay, is there a reason for you to be here? No. Uh, is there something that needs you to overcome? Something that you need to learn? Something that you need to help yourself grow in order for you to survive this death game? It's like, no, I just got thrown in here. And so it's like, okay, so Rindo and Fret and Nagi literally just are there, and they just, and so it's like, oh yeah, no, but it's a death game. It doesn't matter. They don't need to have personal growth. Like the only major driving force that they need is that they want to get out alive, right? And it's like, yeah, I know. But considering that they were just like the Shinjuku Reapers are complete fucking assholes for like no reason where it's like, oh yeah, no, like if, if, if some random people walk in, it's like, that's not, not our fucking problem. Our fucking, our only problem is for us to run this game because everything else is boring otherwise. And it's like, oh my God, like it's so, it's so devoid of any substance, where it's just a standard death game premise that, of course, once you learn by the end of the second week, is completely and utterly, like, tilted inside of the Reaper's favor. Because, you know, fucking reasons. It, it like, it was so... I, I know a lot of people liked this, and a lot of them liked it for the story and the characters, but I literally could not be asked or, like, bribed to care about the main the new main trio, the new uh, leaders of the gangs, I couldn't necessarily give a fuck about them either. Like, the only reason I was holding out hope for the second week to be better than the first week was that at some point in time I knew that the old characters from the game were going to be making an appearance and they were going to be the ones to actually give us some perspective, some knowledge, and some well-deserved, you know, jump and energy that I was literally not feeling from any of these new characters. Like, dude, days one and two, I was, like, days one and two of week two, I was incredibly fucking concerned, because it's like, hey, guess what? Uh, within the first two days of the first week, you get to meet Minamoto. So Miyamoto, uh, Minamoto's there, he's leading the group, he's the powerhouse, he's the one that's already done this before, he's doing the thing where it's like, hey, Zeptograms, Zed is slow, like, he, he's bringing it all back, he's bringing out all the stops. And then, at the end of the first week, nope, that's it. Minamoto's gone, and it's just, oh, great. Well, at least we know that this dude who looks like Neku, in, like, who incredibly looks like Neku, is, like, now in this game. And it's like, oh, curious, so now we get to find Neku, so Neku's gonna join us. And I will admit, they really fucking got me on how they were able to subvert my expectations on that reveal. But before I get to that reveal, I'm just going to quickly jump back and just cover the gameplay of Neo, because it was... 
oh my god, it was so boring. It was so boring. It, it was so... So this game, I would say, this game gives you the opportunity to change between difficulties, between like easy, normal, hard, uh, and ultimate. It starts you off on normal, and then through what I do appreciate is the social networking aspect, as well as the way that they were integrate, like the powers of the pins and the powers of your drip and your clothing, like all integrated into that, like that system, I still really enjoyed from the original game and they didn't, and they just added to it. So that's totally fine. Like the thing that I really like to do where it's like, oh yeah, no. So if you do these side missions on each day, then you'll be able to expand your social network. And the social network that you end up using gives you these buffs and these like little game mechanic changes that just are the biggest help by comparison where it's like here you can chain more monsters together uh these two characters like deal more damage when they combo uh you get a bonus like set on your groove meter if you like spec and hit at this exact same time whenever you're going through and so it's like oh cool so being a philanthropist inside of this game gives you huge tangible benefits in inside so it was something that like really like made me go out and interact with the world more because the more people i looked at and interacted the more of them i helped the grander the scope of the game i was able to interact with and the more buffs i was able to get and it's like yo cool this is a really good way to actually incorporate that because apparently rindo's like one of rindo's strengths is that he's really uh like fluent in terms of going through uh the rest of social media he's very tech literate he's like very good at organizing around groups it's just that too bad the only friend like swallow who we'll get to at some point there's this person on swallow that he's been a friend with for more than two years and there's uh like rindo or sorry there's fret that rindo's been a friend with for how long but a guy who's like this apparently well adept at social media and groups and people he really doesn't have a lot of friends, or he doesn't really talk to a lot of people besides Fret and uh, Swallow. But those are just tiny pieces of the world building that goes through. If we're talking about the games and the mechanics, there are no mechanics. There is a dodge roll, and there is button spam. At if, if you played this game on normal, and you didn't want to go... Like, for me, I went harder considering that that's the way that I did the original, and you're not able... I don't think you're able to get the ultimate setting until you start grinding in the end game or, or post-game, New Game Plus. But it was like, okay, so I'm just going to go on hard here. If I went to normal or easy, I would literally, for every single battle, be spamming R, L, X, and Y. I wouldn't need to dodge. I wouldn't need to roll. I wouldn't need to do... Like, I, am, I, I could literally just put the game on the left... Uh, like watch videos or any other literally any other piece of medium on the right and literally just button mash and not even look at the screen and, and you could get through like i'm trying to think you could probably get through the first two weeks easy just button button mashing and not having any sort of gameplay or interactivity at all like it, it was so mind-numbing which was one of the major reasons why i didn't like the first week is that it's like oh wow so the six inputs you have are basically xb uh r l <laughs> jesus x and b no x y r l z r z l and so you have those six and you can spam or hold some of them some of them have a hold mechanic and it's like oh wow so if, as long as i'm spamming x and y i either have to hold r and release or just hold down z r and z l like there 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 is literally nothing in terms of like interactive gameplay as well as being a little creative like if you were on normal or easy you, i i if you went through normal you could probably go through the entire game and like not fucking care like it's it was so mind-numbing in terms of like how this gameplay ended up interacting there are only like one or two pieces inside of that first week or two where you legitimately have to use the right thumbstick in order to select targets but otherwise the game automatically switches its autofocus because all every single move that you do is auto-locked and so as soon as you kill one enemy it auto-locks the next one and you can keep spamming and keep spamming and keep spamming and keep spamming and keep pressing those same buttons until you find a different pin that is stronger but it still has the same input as like an x or a y and you just keep spamming and keep spamming and get, like it was so this was my first nine days of playing the game, all the way up to the end of week two, day two. And it was just so, like, if they didn't do, and gameplay-wise, they don't really change it. They don't really add anything else. The 
the tougher, like there's only one boss inside of the second week or like one regular enemy, which you don't even need to engage with. Is It's just like a stronger version of a regular enemy that you can find as a boss in the middle of week two. And then the final bosses in each set of weeks that you would actually have to learn how to use the dodge mechanic because everything else is just, you could button mash and get your way to victory, which would be totally fine. If not also for the fact that because I was playing this on the Switch, dude, I really hope you don't like frames because you are not going to be finding any frames in this. The only time on the Switch where my frames were steady was when in the first handful of battles when I had Fret and Rindo as the only two playable characters. As soon as you get three, that's when the frame rate starts to drop a bit more. And then of course, as soon as you get Nagi in like the day three or four, then that means you have four people and you are never going to have a consistent frame rate as long as you are attacking. It is never going to, which was definitely like tough in the end game because whenever I'm trying to figure out rhythms and specific beats and attacks that are going to be coming for like major boss fights it's like it's not that the game is difficult it's just that the frame rate makes it so it is impossible to time or like react to literal anything of the major attacks that are coming from bosses because your frame drops are so huge by the end of this game you have six people in your party and so i'm like oh sick i have six people i am never going to see frames ever again <laughs> it's just because it's like, oh, awesome, I get to add another person to my party, I get to add the damage, I get to add more pins, cool, awesome. I am never going to have a consistent frame rate ever in my life. And I understand that this is the Switch, and the Switch is not built for that. But it was like, once I got three people in my party, and I could barely, like, settle it down for the rest of it, it's like, oh my god, my party's only going to get bigger, and this game is not, like, slowing down. It's just, oh no, this is going to be a problem. So now getting to that inner minute change. This game goes, like, the it, my interest skyrocketed as soon as they introduced Beat back into the story, which is the biggest, one of the biggest, like, rug pulls I've ever seen in terms of subverting expectations, because I was like, wait a second, why the fuck does Beat look so much like Neku inside of this bit? It's like, oh yeah, no, in the original game, he was literally wearing a toque the entire time, so you could barely tell his hair. And I mean, Rhyme's hair poked out from the toque, so you knew that Rhyme was blonde, so... There's a potential that Beat was also blonde, and so it's like, oh, cool. But yeah, no, like completely and early, it's like, holy shit, Beat is back in this game. Because like for any random reason, it's the fact that he just walked in is, is such a Beat thing to do that I couldn't even be angry at it. And like Beat injects an energy to this game in, in a much better way by comparison to anybody else that I'd go through. It was nice to see Karia and Midoe. It was nice to see like the, the classic Reapers kind of like make their own plays and come back in and it was kind of great to see the original characters from the original game back and actually doing what they expected to do especially with how their goals and how their essential place relates to the story and if there is a big and if the biggest problem i could say about the writing inside of the world ends with Neo is that i could not give a shit about any of the new characters that they introduced to this one only until Shoka, like, finally ended up, like, revealing her true colors and that she's actually going to be a part of the group. None of the new characters inside of this game I could care less about. The only interest that I had in anybody, like, revolving around this game was everybody who was coming back from the old game. Like, that was it. Seeing Beat and Rhyme and Shiki, and eventually you see Neku in the third week. But it's like, I was so much more curious and invested as to what their relationships are and as to why they would be in this game in the first place, where Neku was. Like, by the time Beat ends up coming around... Oh yeah, sorry, Uzuki. Like, <laughs> I just I just can never for the life of me remember her name. And Beat also calls her Pinky, because it's just like, he just doesn't give... He could not be fucked to remember anything. It's like, okay, yeah, no, that's good. But I was so much more invested and curious into their stories and what essentially happened in the last three years in between the gap between the first game and the second game. Did I also mention that this gap was three years? And like Neku and Shiki have been separated for near for that entire amount of time. The fact that they only had to they only had each other's company for less than a month, and then Neku gets shot and thrown into the closet just dimension of the old Shinjuku. And it's like, why do you have to keep separate? Like, give my man Neku some peace and quiet and actually get like he was able to go through, complete the game, live. He was able to keep keep Shinjuku or sorry, Shibuya. And become a legend of the process, but he just 
they literally just couldn't give like give him Shiki, him and Shiki like just their time together. It's like, come on, give me a break. So that was the thing. When Neku was like swapped and Beat was the one that ended up taking his place inside of the second week, I was like, wait, so where, where the fuck is Neku? Like, like where is this guy? Where it's just, yo, it's been three years and Shiki probably to get her mind off of like losing Neku again is just like, oh, I'm just going to go through and open up this new brand with my friend. And so she like buries herself in work to not have to think about Neku and the, the loss and potentially like trying to figure out where he is. And so she ends up going through opening uh, Gato Nero with uh, a friend with a friend of hers that was her, which was her in-game body by comparison. And I'm so glad that we finally get to see Shiki's face because every single part of every new game just never gave us... It's like, oh, yeah, no, well, it doesn't matter. It's not about the appearance. It's the relationship and the trust that Neku was able to build with Shiki. God damn it, give her a face. We want everybody to have a face in this game, please. And so, yeah, like, by comparison, the game gives you nothing to work with, where it's like, Fret and Rindo, they want to escape the game just so they don't get eliminated. So that's like, ev ev like everybody's just M.O. for, oh, it's like, oh, I just casually walked into a death game, and now I can't leave. And now if I end up losing, then you know what? I end up getting erased, and, like, nobody will ever remember me, ever. And it's like, okay, yeah, no, I get it. That is a good enough drive to force people to play the game, but that doesn't give us anything to latch onto, character-wise, to each of these people. So I don't care about Rindo, I don't care about Fret, I don't care about Nagi, and then, by comparison... Kari is still doing his own thing. He doesn't want to climb the ladder because he, like, really wants to stay boots on the ground in Shibuya, considering that he really enjoys the people. He enjoys the pressure. He enjoys the life. He enjoys the hustle and bustle. And he really enjoys, like, seeing people evolve with the city as well. The one that actually ends up getting, like, moved up the ladder because that's what she wanted was Uzuki, considering that Uzuki was able to make it, like, high enough in the previous game that she was able to be moved up to, like, the near point of a game master. And that she was able to move up the corporate ladder, but it was like, ah oh, man, I still fucking hate my job. And it's like, well, welcome to the workforce, honey. Just because you moved up the ladder doesn't mean it gets any more fun or any less hard. And then it keeps, which is really weird because whenever they go back to that comment where it's like, oh yeah, no, we want to make Neo a potential product for people to jump into without having played any of the other games. And it's like, oh great. So, so then Coco, who is this like really frilly, like, like, oh man, I'm so, I'm so like, uh. I'm so pretty and powerless, and I'm really hoping that my prince will come and save me. And it's like, in reality, she's just like a foul-mouthed absolute bitch. But she's the one that ended up shooting Neku. And it was like, oh yeah, Neku, I'm going to, like, there's a Reaper friend that I know. It's like, we mean friend. She ended up shooting you. And it's like, yeah, no, but the reason why Coco ended up shooting Neku was because she knew of his exploits. And instead of just talking to Neku and just conversing him to kind of, like, go and help uh, Shinjuku, who's, like, in a perilous situation and is feared about getting inverted and destroyed, she's also like, no, I'm just gonna shoot him and then just bring him along with me. It's like, look, Coco, what the fuck? <laughs> and the fact that Neku can just forgive that, because it's like, oh, the intentions were there, so it's totally okay that you shot me in the back. It's like, oh my god. So that was, that took a while. And so apparently just, what was it? Um, like, Joshua like, took Neku's soul and threw him into the ruins of Shinjuku. And so, like, Neku is literally just wandering the ruins of Shinjuku for nearly three years. And it's like, yeah, no, he ends up, like, amplifying his scan power. But it's like, dude, give this man a fucking break. Like, just let him come back. And so, I found it really weird that Joshua, like, really just didn't give him... The, like, why couldn't they... Why couldn't he bring him back at the beginning of the first week? Why couldn't they just go, like, help him as soon as they found Beat? Like, why did they have to wait another week for them to actually bring Neku back to the forefront? Like, I don't know. It was... It was just really jank. I'm just really glad that at the end of all this bullshit, like, Neku and Shiki were actually able to go through and meet up with each other again. Because they've already seen each other's face, it's just that they literally haven't seen each other in nearly three years. I mean, what I really wanted to go through is kind of, like, see at the end and have, like, you know, maybe do a double date because now that Shoko was, a th like, Shoku and Rindo is now a thing and Shoka is, like, a huge fan of uh, Gato Nero, which is literally something that Shiki 
made with her own two hands with her as uh with her friend as well and so it's just kind of like that would be a really cool interaction and so now i guess i can finally bring up shoka aka one of the shinjuku reapers the ones that first meets rindo and fret at the beginning of the game aka swallow the one that was rindo's online friend that he keeps like talking back and forth to over the course of the game and you don't know it's her until like this the last last day and it was kind of hilarious for me to be like oh wow I'm actually invested in this character, not well, considering that she was, like, such a total... It's so weird to kind of see a Sundere, like, going through and being used as a major one, because she is so... She's such a bitch in the first half of the game, considering that she just literally, like, loves to watch people squirm and just watch Rindo and Fret like being thrown around. It's like, oh man, that fucking sucks that you didn't know the rules of the game and then you got your points swindled and now you're at the bottom of the leaderboard. Well, later losers. And it's just, okay, so either she's going to be put on her team by the end of the game or she's just going to completely and utterly like do a heel turn by the end of it. It's like, okay, great. That's going to be interesting. Like right, like right off the bat within the first week, like you know that's going to happen. But she's one of the only people, because the game actually like gives her a lot of interactions with... Rindo and the cast and the rest of the group, you actually have the opportunity to like get to know her better and go through and go through the rings and go through the ringer with her and kind of see her kind of evolve and realize why she acts the way she does in the sense that she's not the best when it comes to actually interacting with people, which is one of the reasons why she became a Reaper in the first place. But when she finally wanted to get back into that swing of things, she was able to do th so through like social networking and meeting people online, which is where she ended up meeting Rindo by the, by the name of Swallow. And so that was kind of cool to see how that ends up going through and interacting. And it was like, oh, wow, so now I have a ship. Wow, I, it's it's amazing what shipping and actually having a potential like couple like does, what as it brings up my interest inside of those two characters specifically. It was like, oh wow, so literally day seven, we get to see like Shoka go through and literally being dragged through the mud and being like, okay, you're not a reaper. Okay, you're gonna get attacked by noise. Okay, like nobody gives a shit about you anymore. But even after all the bullshit and the stuff that she spewed and spat out at Rindo and Fret and the entire crew, Rindo is just kind of like, eh, you know what? I know, it's like, so how's it going? Uh, how's work? Uh, you want to join our group? And it's like, <laughs> it, at least, yeah. By that point in time, he's actually like well and more like good enough on terms of deciding what he wants and who she, or who he decides to, you know, try to care for and protect. And so that was cool. Um, so, except the problem is, is that I still think that this game which probably took me about 30 hours, literally left me in the dark for nearly 15 of those. And so that was like an incredibly like, because it's just, uh, oh yeah, no, you gotta get with these new characters, but, and then like, we'll drip feed you old characters from the old game just to keep the uh, like setup for not only the newcomers, but uh, the players that have been actually been a part of this world for like nearly 15 years. But then it's like, oh yeah, but then you also need to know why Neku's here. And so, like, oh yeah, no, new people. Okay, guess what? You were literally... Because I the extra day doesn't show up in the animated series. So you don't know who Coco is. You don't know, like, why Neku is, like, dead again. Even though it's just kind of like, oh yeah, no. Well, apparently this girl shot her. And it's like, when? Like, what do you mean just sh casually shot him? Like, when did she... Like, when was she brought into this? Uh... And it's like, man, I, I felt so bad for Shiki, where it's just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to get over this by legitimately throwing myself into a pile of work so I completely forget about Neku and the fact that he's just dead somewhere, but not really because I know that the Reapers game is a thing. And so because he went through the first game, I know that Neku right now is going through another Reapers game or something. He's not dead yet, so I'm really hoping at some point in time he's going to be able to make it out and one day I'll be able to go out and see him. And, like, one day is just such a common mantra and common theme for her, so it's just like, oh, man, give these two a fucking break together, Jesus. Uh, what was the last one? Oh, yeah, no, so I guess at the end of the day, there's more, uh, like, there's more than one composer, of course. So Shinjuku's old composer, which wanted to be like, okay, well, guess what, uh, Shinjuku's fucked, uh, I really don't care, so Shinjuku's just going to die, um, has, ends up meeting... Which is really fucked because I was really curious where it's like, oh, hey, look, 
another composer is stepping on another composer's turf. And Haas is just walking through uh, Shibuya like it's nobody's fucking business. And like, I'm still thinking like, damn, where the fuck is Joshua? Where is the composer that another district's Reapers came in, which was understandable because it's like, look, if you Reapers still want a job in a home, even though we know that Shinjuku got inversed and erased, uh, then, you know, come over here. It's like, okay, perfect. They start completely and utterly wrecking shit, like just over two years after the game is over and it's like hey guess what um we're gonna be doing this reaper game that only is going to be run by the reapers undercover in the sense that the leaders of one of the teams that is made up of like throughout the like because what is it we got the deep river society we ended up getting the true the pure hearts the Wicked Twisters, who's the main dude, uh, the Vera Beauties, and then, of course, the Ruinbringers. And the Ruinbringers are supposed to be this big bad, which is literally made up of three people. Where it's like, oh, yeah, no. Because they really don't do scale very well inside of this game. Where it's just, okay, how many people are a part of each team? You probably got, like, a dozen or so, which is, like, really weird because there's not as much. But the fact that the Ruinbringers are only made up of three people, which is, of course, also the Game Master as their heads up. So it's like, haha, guess what? We've been rigging this the entire time. And for more than 30 straight weeks, for more than 30 straight Reaper games, we have rigged this system in order for us to continuously win and continuously play the game. And over the course of those 30 weeks, Josh was like, this is okay? <laughs> it's... Shinjuku Reapers are going to walk in and impose their own rules on the game so it's continuously, like, endlessly rotating until somebody puts a stop to this? Josh? <laughs> and, like, Josh literally doesn't show up until the final day of the rest of it because it's like, oh, yeah, no, well, composers are not allowed to, you know, interfere. Except for Haas, who, like, Haas walks in on Shibuya and ends up completely fucking murking uh, Tanzo Kubo, who is the pseudo-secret bad guy the, of the game, and just fucking murks his ass from the space-time continuum, because nobody but him and Rindo remember that he ever existed. Ever. And so, like, the fact that Joshua let all this shit go on right on his house, like, right on his front lawn, I'm just really surprised that that was the case. Like, did it really take him nearly three years to figure out, like, a, a way for him to get Neku back, like, where nobody would essentially, like, be worried about him? Or, like, anybody, any of the top brass would have cared that he, like, went through again and got brought back alive again without having to play a Reaper game, even though a Reaper was the one that ended up killing him in the first place? I don't know. A lot of the shit never gets explained in the game. It's, which is, where it's just, of course, for a new player... This it doesn't have to make sense considering that all of the face value info that they end up dumping throughout the course like over all these reapers that makes sense but when you're doing this with because it is a sequel with all of that in mind where the majority of the the characters that have the most at stake and the ones that have the most to gain and lose and the ones that can interact with the world the most are the ones that are that are the ones that got brought back into the game specifically for that because it's a sequel then why would this game ever be like advertised as something that you could just feed into new players like you would ne like be just even if it was just the world ends with you too like they didn't want to do that because they wanted it to be neo because they wanted it to be like a potential new experience for people to like go in and like re-enter the franchise but it's like you wouldn't like tell somebody oh yeah no halo 2 like oh yeah, I'll just play Halo 2 without playing Halo, or I'll just play Halo 3 without playing Halo 2 or 1. Like, this is, it's a totally good idea. Like, this, this will totally be fine. And so, I guess the last thing I want to say about Shoka is just that she was actually, and now that she's being able to go through and, you know, come to peace with the fact that this is going to be a Reaper, like a all-for-one death game sort of deal in the final week where it's going to be Reapers versus players, and she's like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to go and fight my old family. It's just that, you get told in one of these days where they have to essentially beat her sister-slash-mother figure, and the game forces you to pick all of these options that actually gives you a decent backstory and a decent, like, amount of intel as to what Shoka's relationship was with the rest of the Ruinbringers and with the rest of the Shinjuku Reapers. It's just that too bad that it we literally didn't get any other piece or any other interaction with any of the other Reapers to actually give us 
more of a reason to actually like care about her losing her only other family. It was really jank. And also, like, poor Sho- like Also, th- one of the things that they just gloss over is just like, okay, well, Shoka is a Shinjuku Reaper, and so at the end of the day, um, the day is won, and everybody made it out alive, and everybody's okay, but then Shoka's like, okay, looks like I'm gonna have to leave forever now because I'm a Shinjuku Reaper, and I'm not allowed to come to the RG, and, like, the Shinjuku code... Which is, li- the code is literally just imposing, like, your wants and your means and your, like, bullshit on any other district without any, like, sense of repercussion or, like, callback. It's like, okay, too bad. She can't go to the RG again because she's a Shinjuku Reaper because that's the way that we live our code. And Joshua's like, <laughs> fuck that. Snaps his fingers and then he's like, oh, yeah, no, I put her away with the other stray cats. And it's like, oh, so you made, you put her onto the RG. It's like, okay, I really... Because a month passes, and like it also it also sucks because it was like um, I'm trying to figure out. No, I think it was literally the next day after after all the bullshit happened. That's when Neku and Shiki were actually able to reunite. But like apparently, he was walking around. Rinda was walking around Shinjuku for like a month trying to find Shoko, and then he just casually like walks up on her, like going through. It's like. Unless Shoko was kept in the same pocket dimension that Neku was for, like, a month, and then he just let her out, or or just, she was literally, like, living in Shibuya for a month with, like, nobody to give her lodging, nobody to give her a phone, nobody to give her, like, safe passage, like, literally, she, she was just walking around all by her lonesome somehow with unless she like still had some money in her digital bank account like maybe she was able to like go out but they just kind of like waltz over that fact in the sense that oh yeah it's been a month where it's like has it really been though i don't know he finds shoka i really do like the fact that the english localized version was different because it actually gives you like two different perspectives that still work in the same way that it was but i did like the japanese version better considering that in the English rendition, the final ones where it's just kind of like, oh, so friends, friends. But in reality, to the situation that's happening is that he's al- he's already been chatting with Swallow for like more than two years at this point. But it's they've already always been separated from the RG and the UG. But now this is the first time that they're actually meeting each other together as, you know, as the people that they've come to learn and love at this point. And the way that they respond to each other is Yoroshiku, or just nice to meet you. And they and he responds with nice to meet you too. And it's just, oh, that's actually really good. Because this is the first time that they're actually going through and meeting each other with no with no holds barred. This is basically just who I am. And we're going to meet each other for the first time in the RG. And it's like, okay, nice to meet you. Shame that the entirety of the game couldn't necessarily be that way. At the end of the day, I enjoyed... A little more than half of this game. The majority of the game I enjoyed. It's just that if this was its own game without any of the original characters from the game, I would have probably dropped this within within the first week. Like, because the only characters that inject life and curiosity and like intrigue into this world were ones from the previous game. And that is something that should have been stated a bit more in the sense that this is a sequel. I understand that this is Neo. I understand that this is going through and just I, I I I know like I'm I'm really taking offense to like the genesis and to why they really wanted to name it this way and why they really wanted to go through, but it's just no as a sequel. Uh, as a sequel, I enjoyed it because the characters that came from the original game did what they had to do and inject that kind of energy and just life into a world that almost I thought there was none. All the seeing all of these different places that I hadn't seen in a while go from 2D to 3D was really cool. But if this was helmed and the majority of the weight was put on this new trio that they introduced to us, it would have been a huge mistake. And you would not get me to care about any of these characters that gone through if they weren't living in the shadow and they weren't living in the world that Neku and Shiki and Beat and Karia and Uzuki and Rhyme and Joshua and all of them had built before. So 
At the end of the day, that's kind of what I go back to. It's just that if people are saying, what do you think was better? The original was better by leaps and bounds because they actually made me care about the characters that got involved and the gameplay was a lot smoother and a lot more intricate and a lot more detailed and interesting, but it's going to be incredibly difficult to relive that unless you have, like, say, a stylus for your Switch. And you won't be able to go back and actually enjoy that still, because I have a 3DS, but I definitely still don't have the old cartridge for the old game. So it would be incredibly difficult to kind of, like, go back and relive that experience. But the new experience that they ended up giving us, the new one that they ended up trying to go through and revisit and reinvigorate into the series that hadn't necessarily been active in nearly 14 years, I can't necessarily say they did a great job. I could say they did a good job in terms of giving a different spin on it with a different set of characters, but none of those characters really hit home, and it was far and above way too willing to sit in the shadow of the original game. Alright, so I'll get this out, I'll do the same thing I did last time, I'll have another episode coming out next week which at this point is going to be celebrating the return of another series that has been only out for just a handful of years, and that's going to be the second half of the second season of The All House. So I'm really curious to see how that's going to go when at next... uh, What is it? Next Saturday, I think? Yeah. Next Saturday, which is going to be the... 18th, we're going to be able to get the second half of that second season, and I'm going to be able to go through and explain to you why I essentially love this series so much, and that it actually gives me joy and a huge dose of excitement for what they have planned for the next series. Cheers, have a good one. <laughs>